0: Welcome to episode 16 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There
1: is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Console are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. You think you're up to the t-
0: to another episode of the jedi temple archives podcast i'm your host rob and we're recording this episode on monday july 1st 2019 Uh, i've got my trusty co-host tom back with me again this week tom welcome back to the show thanks rob good to be back with you and uh celebrating another great star wars character today yeah and this is actually one that i've been looking forward to really ever since we started the podcast it's another character that uh, if you're a casual Star Wars fan, if you've seen the films and maybe some of the animated shows, uh, depending on what you've seen, you may not have ever heard of him before. But if you're more of a hardcore Star Wars fan and, and we're into reading the expanded universe, this is a character that existed in that expanded universe that essentially went into Legends. And uh, has now been brought back into canon through both Star Wars Rebels, as well as some new books that have been coming out over the course of the past year or so. And the character that we're talking about is none other than Thrawn, who we have alluded to on this show previously. So I'm going to go ahead and give his full name a shot, and I'm not making any promises about this. May hey, the but force his... be with you. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, His full name is actually Mithran Nurodo. And pretty good. uh, I think that was pretty yeah, good. It, it, it's those two vowels in that last uh chunk of his name that throw me off every time. So, uh, and obviously, because so many people would have trouble saying that name, uh, it's just been shortened to Thrawn. Uh, he is a member of a race called the Chiss. And in earlier shows, we have kind of talked a little bit about kind of how the galaxy is laid out within the Star Wars universe and that concept that once you get beyond. Uh, those those outer rim worlds, places like Batuu, that's really right there on the edge of that unexplored space known as the Unknown Regions. Um, the Chiss actually live within the Unknown Regions. And so this is a, a group of aliens that is not seen within the Star Wars films. It is uh, There's only been very light contact at the time of most of the events that we're watching. But this character, Thrawn, is certainly the preeminent uh, Chiss warrior. And that was recognized by Emperor Palpatine. And we'll get into a little bit of that backstory in a few minutes. But suffice to say, uh, the homeworld that he's from is called Xilla. And that is the home of the Chiss Ascendancy, again, in that unknown regions portion of the universe. And these aliens are blue skinned, they've got glowing red eyes, angular features, they're generally, you know, indistinguishable from humans other than those features. But what sets them apart, uh, and Thrawn specifically apart, uh, from many of the other characters you've seen in the Star Wars universe, is he is just the preeminent tactical mind of his time. So we'll get a little bit into the details on him, kind of starting with Legends, uh, and then tying that into what is now coming back into canon, and that's actually... A really kind of cool thing because when they created the concept of Legends and essentially threw out all these stories that had been building up over years, one of the characters that uh, I think a lot of Star Wars fans were upset to lose was Thrawn. Uh, Tom, do you recall much of Thrawn from from your reading uh, previous to that?
1: Yeah, I, I did read the, uh, the the Timothy Zahn uh, the the trilogy that he wrote. That kind of came out right uh, not long after Return of the Jedi. That was really it was really a, really a great trilogy, and really focused on Thrawn and what happened in the aftermath of uh, when the Empire. Uh, fell, essentially, after Return of the Jedi. And uh, I just thought he was a, a captivating character. And he really stood out as one of these amazing... You know, he's just had so much depth to him. And he was just so interesting, the way he approached, uh, you know, trying to basically, you know, reestablish the Empire. It, it was really a, a fascinating
0: story to follow. Yeah, and actually, one of the interesting things kind of about the timing of these books is that we just finished up watching the original trilogy a number of years prior to this. Actually, um, the Thrawn trilogy started coming out about 1991, so it had been since 83 that we had had a new Star Wars film uh, put out in the theaters, and this trilogy was really considered by a lot of people to essentially be what the sequel trilogy was going to be, the episodes 7, 8, and 9, and it really actually filled the shoes um, of that At least in my opinion, Uh, it was, as you mentioned, it was a great story, super rich characters, including Thrawn. It gave us a lot of the continuing adventures of Luke and Han and Leia. And you kind of got to see the Republic, you know, turned into the legitimate government, the new Republic, Uh, at least the Rebellion, I'm sorry. So... You know, it was the continuation of that original trilogy story, and it continued it in a very exciting way and one that really put your favorite heroes right back in Danger's way.
1: Yeah, and that was part of the best of it. It was so close in story time to, I believe you, you have it in the notes that it took place five years after the uh, Return of the Jedi. I didn't recall exactly what place, but I knew it happened pretty soon after uh, the Return of the Jedi, and that they were trying to reestablish the the New Republic. And 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 meanwhile, uh, there was these uh, there's still some a- Imperial forces that were out there that were kind of out on the Outer Rim, just trying to kind of scramble. And Thrawn kind of got this together, and he had such a great tactical mind, and the way he would, uh, you know, go through and uh, develop these strategies to combat uh, the different species, the different uh, people within the universe itself. was just It was just fascinating to see him work.
0: Yeah, and actually it made a lot of sense, the approach that he took. And, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But the deep backstory of Thrawn, I don't want to go too much into that. Suffice to say that this was a character that had been uh, discovered by some of the agents of Palpatine. He was aware of him. He had actually tried to recruit him into his new empire. Uh, and at the time, you know, Thrawn was uh, a member of what was called the uh, the Chiss Expansionary Defense Force, which was their military force uh, that was tasked with keeping the Chiss homeworld safe and the and the Chiss Ascendancy safe from any of the dangers in the unknown regions. And there were it was pretty well developed throughout the stories that there were a number of major threats um, to both the the Chiss uh, Ascendancy as well as the Empire that the, um, the Emperor was not even aware of at that point. So th- this was a scenario where, you know, he wanted to bring Thrawn into his empire. He recognized his tactical genius. He felt like he could use them as kind of a buffer against some of these dangers. And uh, at the time, Thrawn was unwilling to do so. He was, you know, first concerned with uh, protecting his own homeworld. And so it wasn't until a little bit later that eventually the Chiss had uh, banished Thrawn. They, he was an outcast from his people. Specifically because culturally, they did not believe in first strike uh, in their military engagements. They were only the type of people that would, would uh, attack if they were first attacked. So Thrawn, however, you know, being a military genius and recognizing that in a lot of cases, you know, it was inevitable that they were going to be attacked. And him striking first would create, you know, less casualties. It would end the conflict quicker. He had no issue with basically launching the first attack or a preemptive attack. And that, uh, over the course of time, really put him in conflict with the military leaders and, and he was cast out. So at that point, he did become open to joining the Empire. He did become a member of the Imperial Navy. And interestingly, you know, the thing about the Emperor was that he was very uh, xenophobic. He, he did not have a lot of love for alien species. They, um, he had some very speciesist policies within his empire, and aliens, if they were allowed to partake at all, were, were limited in terms of how far they could advance. So Thrawn, advancing to the rank of Grand Admiral, uh, the highest rank in the military, uh, at least in terms of the Imperial Navy, was incredibly unusual, and um, you know, really set him out as as a special character within the expanded universe novels.
1: Yeah, it's just really interesting. And I think if you if you think back to the Star Wars films, and you just look at the I- Imperial military force and all their officers and such, and they were pretty much all. Caucasian men uh, and it, you know you, but whereas if you looked at the rebellion of course there were a lot of different alien species out there and so to for, to have somebody like Thrawn within this group to advance as far as he did was really and I know you've already brought this up Rob but it is really kind of uh, just an interesting thing and that just shows you how good he was how much of a great tactician he was that even the emperor was willing to overlook uh, some of these discriminatory practices he had uh, within it. And also, you know, Thrawn was such a striking figure. When when you would see him, he'd be wearing this uh, really white, white, uh, you know, Grand Admiral's uniform. And then the striking features, the angular features he had with the blue... Uh, skin and the red eyes he really stood out whenever he was in a room plus he was undoubtedly the most intelligent uh being that was ever in any of those rooms
0: yeah and actually one of the interesting things about the way he was always portrayed uh both within legends and now within canon is that he's very urbane he's very calm very uh soft-spoken so he was not one to to really command a room by blustering or or being loud, he was when he was at his most dangerous, he was very quiet, he was very calm, uh, and totally in control of the situation. So, I thought, I think that's one of the things that, in contrast to a Darth Vader or the Emperor, uh, stood out to me as I was reading these novels and, and kind of getting to know this character.
1: He'd be an amazing poker player because uh, you know, <laughs> he just never quite knew what was going on behind those red eyes, but he could tell he was uh, calculating everything, reading his opponents all the time, both before and during, uh, the different attack scenarios. He was just, he's just incredible to watch and, and see, uh, or, or read about the, you know, how he would, uh, go through these processes.
0: Yeah. And very much in, in the vein of what you're talking about with him being an amazing poker player, uh, he was very much about reading people, both on an individual level. I mean, he would notice every muscle, muscle twitch. He would notice every tightening of the shoulders, every facial tick, and could very much tell what a person's thoughts were just based on those things alone. But at a larger uh, level or at a higher level, the thing that made him such a, a military genius is that he would really t- approach military ventures from the standpoint of know your enemy. And so his approach was always to... Examine the artwork of a various species uh, from which he could determine a lot about their psychological makeup. And that was what he used then to determine, A, how they were going to attack or how they were most likely to attack, and then uh, generate uh, an effective strategy to combat that. But he also uh, could tell what their cultural blind spots were, and he knew exactly how to exploit those Uh, in order to take advantage of a situation and essentially end that conflict as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, he really did his homework on everything that he did uh, into this. And, uh, you know, that's what helped him rise to the position that he was in. Again, all these alien species were being discriminated against within the Empire, but Palpatine could see how strong he was. Yes, he kind of sent him off to the edge of the galaxy. We didn't want him to be the face, at least in Legends, to begin with, of the Empire. But he knew how important he could or would be as a military leader.
0: Yeah, and the interesting, the other really interesting thing to me about Thrawn is that he is not an evil character by any nature. Um, he's very practical. And when he when he first became aware of the Empire and the Rebellion, he certainly was aware of the Rebellion. Uh, but his thought was, his thought process really launched from the point of knowing the dangers that were in the Unknown Regions and that, that uh, he was going to need to ally with someone within the Star Wars galaxy in order to defend against them. And when he assessed the Rebellion versus the Empire, he really felt that the Empire was the only one and the Emperor specifically had that strength of will and the ability to do whatever was necessary at any cost. Um, which, you know, he didn't really associate with him, quote unquote, being a Sith, because I don't really think he was all that aware of Sith versus Jedi. But, you know, it was really just a completely practical decision on his part in terms of which group he could ally himself with that would put him in the strongest possible situation and whom he thought had the best chance of defending against the threats in the unknown regions.
1: Once again, Thrawn reading all that was out there, uh, looking at all the information he had, doing his homework, studying up, and deciding on where he would best fit in within this this universe.
0: Yeah. And so uh, once the Emperor had brought Thrawn into the Empire, he had you know, risen up through the ranks of the Imperial military, or the Imperial Navy, over the course of a number of years, obtained that rank of Grand Admiral, then Palpatine basically redeployed him uh, along with the number of ships out into the unknown regions to uh, to help, uh, A, chart the unknown regions for the expansion of the Empire, but also to help protect against these threats out there and, and deal with them before they actually reached uh, the known regions of the galaxy. So uh, that is why you never really saw Grand Admiral Thrawn at any point during the Star Wars films. And uh, to Tom's point earlier about how he reappeared, uh, reappeared a number of years later, uh, and essentially quickly assessed what the situation was and started pulling together the remnants of the Imperial military to strike back against the New Republic. Um, again, not because he necessarily believed in every last tenant of, of the uh, the rule of Palpatine, but he knew that the galaxy basically had to be unified and had to be prepared to face some of these threats that were coming. And if you're familiar with any of the Star Wars Legends content, there is definitely... Uh, a lot of that explored within those books. We won't get into it all here, but there were some very real threats and they had huge impacts on the Star Wars universe uh, because specifically they weren't really prepared for them uh, as they would have been had Thrawn and the Emperor been successful. So not to say that I'm necessarily siding with the Empire in that regard, but we definitely saw some of the uh, the impacts of, of the Rebellion being successful uh, in their fight against the Empire.
1: We're all a little gray, you know. There's light side and dark side in all of us. So you can s- sometimes see a little bit of why uh what uh Thrawn and and some of the leaders within the Empire were doing and why they there were reasons for them. But of course, you know, w- we leaning towards the light side at least. I assume you are, Rob. <laughs> we leaning towards the light yeah. side obviously fall on that more than the dark side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um A couple of other interesting things that were kind of tied in with with the Thrawn stories within Legends um, and that we've actually started to see a little bit uh, of their reappearance within canon now. The first is something that I mentioned way back in episode. I think it was four, when I dealt with lightsabers. And one of the defenses against lightsabers was uh, in Legends, it was known as Cortosis ore. Uh, In the new canon, it's now become Cortosis Fiber, and that is something that uh, originally appeared in the Thrawn Trilogy in Legends, uh, that Cortosis is something that when a lightsaber would contact anything that had Cortosis ore in it, it would short out the lightsaber and the lightsaber would instantly turn off. Um, So it was amazing defense against lightsabers and Jedi in particular. And uh, that actually is something that has been reintroduced, again, in a slightly different form with that cortosis fiber uh, as part of these Thrawn novels uh, that have come back into canon. So that is uh, something that has a major impact on the Star Wars universe. The other thing that is kind of interesting is, as we mentioned earlier, where Palpatine really was interested in ruling by fear. And his idea of pure military might was these huge super weapons. Uh, as we saw with the Death Star and then Death Star Two, Thrawn was more of a tactical military genius, and he was very interested in improving the officers beneath him. You know, he definitely interacted with his officers, wanted to hear what they had to say, and when possible, he wanted to help them improve their thought processes and, and understand how he developed his strategies to the best of their ability, so that he could actually improve those beneath him. So definitely a difference of approach in terms of, uh, you know, dealing and managing their people. But uh, the other interesting difference between Thrawn and the Emperor is that uh, Thrawn was not a big fan of super weapons. He would much rather have a military task force that was flexible and mobile and and could be used to develop and implement some of these strategies that he had, as opposed to just this giant super weapon that was intended to strike fear into the hearts of uh, the people that, that were arrayed against him. So... It's pretty clear that uh, Palpatine's approach was not terribly successful either time it was attempted, and you definitely get a chance to see Certainly within Legends, and and again, it's re-emerging within canon, how effective the strategies that Thrawn implemented would be.
1: Yeah, well, also with Thrawn, I mean, he was obviously not a proponent of genocide as much as sometimes in many ways the Emperor was, as Palpatine was, and thus not wanting the super weapons. Why would I want to wipe out an entire planet? He appreciated, as his studies took him into All these different cultures, all these different species, he appreciated them for what they were. He wanted to use that information to help him defeat them, did not want to completely wipe them out. He just wanted to have order uh, throughout the galaxy without. And again, it goes back to, like you just stated, Rob, uh, the Emperor Palpatine ruling through fear uh, rather than trying to support these groups like Thrawn did.
0: Yeah, and it was pretty clearly stated that uh, both within Legends and, and now, again, within canon, and we've seen it within Star Wars Rebels, that Thrawn is not necessarily interested in even mass casualties. He will accept victory uh, on any terms, and certainly he would, in many cases, prefer to leave his enemies alive if at all possible, but uh, you know, certainly with the promise that they were not going to continue their attack. And there are any number of examples of how he would try to give them a way out, uh, and then if they chose not to take that, he could be very ruthless in terms of uh, defeating them soundly uh, in a military way as well.
1: Yeah, it just you know it's all about working out what strategy works best for the situation, and that was Thrawn to a T. He would work it out every single time, and. More often than not, he was successful with it. It would say, you know, he, it was, he was very, very good.
0: Yep. So that kind of gives you a little bit of background on who Thrawn was as a character within uh, the expanded universe and within what is now considered to be legends. So I wanted to kind of carry that forward into what we know to be part of canon now. This is the gospel truth, the accepted um, truth within the Star Wars universe. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm very happy to see that they are in many ways bringing back all the best parts of Thrawn um, and kind of sanding down some of the rough edges. So what's interesting about Thrawn uh, that has emerged within canon to date is that, again, he was someone who had traveled through the edge of known space during the period of the Clone Wars, and he had actually encountered Anakin Skywalker, and that is something uh, that became apparent in the book Thrawn Alliances. So there's three Thrawn books that are out, two that are actually physically on the shelves right now, one that is coming out later in July. Uh, The first one was titled Thrawn, the second was titled Thrawn Alliances, and then the third is going to be titled Thrawn Treason. So in the first book, you get some backstory of how he was discovered by the Empire, uh, his military career, and kind of how he rose to the, the level of Grand Admiral. And at the same time, you get some interesting uh, backstories about another character that if you've watched Star Wars Rebels, you may be familiar with, and that is uh, Arenda Price. So this is Governor Price, who becomes the Imperial Governor on the planet of Lothal, which we see within uh, especially season four, I believe it was, of, of Star Wars Rebels. So, uh, you know, again, it's really kind of interesting to get some backstory on some of these characters. And then within Thrawn Alliances, you get some backstory on Thrawn prior to him coming to the Empire and the dealings that he had with Anakin Skywalker. And then later, once he had joined the Empire, uh, a mission that he was sent on by the Emperor with Darth Vader uh, and Some of the interesting uh, stories there. And what was really cool about that particular book is it has a lot of tie-ins to Batuu and Black Spire Outpost in specific. So uh, those are things that actually tie directly into some of the things you can see even within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it is my understanding, and I'm looking forward to getting a look at, uh, especially Oga's Cantina, because that is the site of a couple of key scenes within that book. And there are supposed to be some blaster burns on the wall behind the bar uh, that are tied to a specific battle within that book.
1: Interesting stuff. I did not know that when I got my visited. I have not read the books yet, unfortunately. I'm looking forward to uh, checking them out sometime here in the near future. But uh, I mean, there are a lot of blaster burns uh, throughout both Ogus Cantina and Black Spire Outpost itself. And I, I love that they're exploring so many of how many arrived there. And uh, I'm glad to know that Thrawn had a part to play in some of that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that is really one of the coolest things. We've talked about it um, ad nauseum on some of the episodes that we've done on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge within the Disney parks. Um, and we've mentioned the fact that the cool thing about that world is that as a non-Star Wars fan, you can go in there and you can be entertained at a very high level, but the more and more you know about the Star Wars universe and the stories that take place within there, uh, there are going to be elements of that particular environment that you're going to be able to get that much more out of because now you know the backstory behind these blaster burns on the wall of the cantina um and it's just really cool that you know it's it's going to be an environment where as you explore the star wars universe you may notice things that you never noticed before yeah as i said in
1: the prior episode when I was with you last week uh, you know we've been there twice we've spent 8 hours within uh, Black Spire Outpost, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and we haven't even scratched the surface of all there is to see and look at and explore around there and there's just so much detail work and just interesting things that you pick up you may walk by it four, five, six, seven, who knows 20 times and then the next time you come by and you see this thing that's been there all along and you're going to realize that this relates to this thing from the Star Wars universe or this book or this movie what, or this television show. And it's it's going to strike you and be fascinating.
0: Yep. So, you know, as I mentioned, we've got uh, the origins of Thrawn and his interaction with, with the galaxy proper uh, within the books has to do with him and his interactions with Anakin Skywalker uh, while Anakin is out kind of exploring... Uh, Batuu and specifically Black Spire Outpost looking for Padme who's gone missing on a mission to coordinate with one of her uh, handmaidens. And then it takes a break from that and it then spills into what we see within Star Wars Rebels. So kind of how I'm going to approach this is I don't want to go too deep into the contents of any of these books. The books have been out a much shorter period of time. I don't want to ruin the main storylines for anyone who wants to read those. But The events of Star Wars Rebels, I think, have been out there long enough now where we can talk a little bit more openly about those without it being a spoiler. Um, If you are someone who wants to watch Star Wars Rebels um, and are concerned about spoilers, certainly feel free to skip this portion uh, of the show because we are going to be talking about some of that content. So I just want to make sure that everyone was forewarned. Uh, So as we find Thrawn within Star Wars Rebels, he is commanding uh, the Seventh Fleet and has been deployed to the Lothal Sector to deal with Captain uh, Hera Syndulla's cell, uh, which are the rebels, uh, the titular rebels, I guess is the best way to put it, um, that consists of General Syndulla and uh, her crew of the ship called the Ghost, who have been creating all kinds of issues. They're kind of one of the, the cells of the budding Rebel Alliance. Uh, that is out there uh, creating issues for the Empire. And Palpatine has tried to deploy various members of the military, including some members of the Inquisitors. That's really a Dark Jedi offshoot um, that he's got to track down any remaining Jedi. And uh, they are ineffective. They don't provide uh, the Emperor with what he's looking for in terms of wiping out these rebel sympathizers. And so he ends up sending out Thrawn in, in his battle group. And what's really interesting uh, about the events that take place within Star Wars Rebels is despite the fact that Thrawn uh, is this incredible military mind and he rarely is is, uh, defeated, the Rebels actually do make a pretty good showing. They win some small victories against him. And at times he allows them to escape just out of respect for the fact that they have bested him in some of these situations.
1: Yeah, I I think if you look at that crew, they are such a diverse group, just as, you know, the rebellion ended up being when it grew larger than, yeah, this was just a small kind of uh, portion of the rebellion that eventually grew and grew. And we actually see it growing uh, throughout Rebels. Uh, But, you know, they're such a diverse group that, yes, you can study one part of it, but that doesn't mean that there's not a a different viewpoint coming from somewhere else within the crew that might, you know, throw things on their ear for Grand Admiral Thrawn. So it really was a fascinating uh, chess match going on between the two sides.
0: Yeah. And it was interesting because there were times where he would start to suspect that something was going on um, and he would actually arrive at the right deduction eventually. Uh, but it was always just a moment too late. Um, or he would actually manage to capture one of them, but, you know, he he couldn't account for the actions of the others. So it's very much what you're talking about, the diversity of that group of rebels. Um, you know, you've, you've got a Twi'lek uh, pilot. You have Kanan Jarrus, who is a former uh, Padawan uh, who had escaped the, the Jedi Purge and is now teaching a young kid from Lothal named Ezra Bridger. Uh, who's also a Force-sensitive, you know, something about the the meaning of the Force and kind of training him to the best of his abilities. You've got a Mandalorian um, replete with, with all of her skill set. Uh, and then you've got another character who actually is very interesting. Uh, Zeb is his name. And he's an alien character, but he is actually based off the prototype for Chewbacca uh, from the original Star Wars film. So it's kind of cool to see... Uh, that actually brought to life within the Star Wars universe in a slightly different way than it was originally intended.
1: Right, throw in like Chopper, who is a uh, a droid you can sometimes rely on, sometimes not, but you always know he'll do something you don't expect, so he's kind of interesting and then they, they come across other various characters along the way including Hondo and Naka, and he does different things with them and helps them out and sometimes doesn't quite help them out but uh, you know they stumble across Lando Calrissian at some point uh, just, it, just really interesting the way this world formed and it, it was just a, a very interesting group and of course there was always still Yoda out there he knew that this group was together and he would kind of help them out a little bit when he had the chance uh it was it's a fascinating show if you haven't seen rebels obviously we're giving away a lot of it but please check it out it's really good show
0: yeah i mean we're giving away parts of it but i still think that again the devil is in the details and a lot of the enjoyment from that particular series uh is very much in the details and seeing the development of these characters so i think that there's still a lot of value in watching that and again it's a perfect environment to get to know a little bit about a character like thrawn uh, we already covered Ahsoka in an earlier episode. She's another great character that, that you uh, wouldn't know about unless you had uh, really watched The Clone Wars and, to some degree, Rebels. Um, and there's also some great Easter eggs in some of the films. Uh, if you are uh, someone who watches Rebels, uh, with, especially within uh, Rogue One, there's a number of references. Uh, Chopper makes an appearance in that particular film. The ghost makes an appearance in the final battle over Scarif, so and, and General Syndulla is actually referenced within the Masasi Temple there on Yavin. So there's a lot of really cool things, again, just like Galaxy's Edge and, and Black Spire Outpost, Star Wars films in general contain a lot of layers of detail that you will get more out of as you become more and more familiar with these characters. Uh, from all of these surrounding series.
1: I completely agree. I still remember seeing Chopper rolling across the tarmac there. Oh, there he is. It's Chopper. He's still around. <laughs> Because you just didn't know when this when when Rogue One came out, they were still in the midst of Rebels, and you didn't know what the outcome for all these characters were going to be at that point. So you know, to see as we're going into you know just prior to the Battle of Yavin, uh, to see that some of these characters were still around and still existed, it it just kind of led to you know your thoughts process as the show wrapped up itself.
0: Yeah, and getting back to you know kind of how this ties in a little bit more with Thrawn. Uh, you know, as he's having these engagements with the rebels, there comes a time, uh, it's at the Battle of Adalon, uh, where he suffers a defeat at the hand of the rebels, and Palpatine recalls him and sends him off on a mission with Vader back out to Batuu due to the fact that Palpatine had, had sensed a disturbance out there and wanted that investigated. And what was really cool about that is that kind of over the course of his interaction with Vader... Again, you're dealing with Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's incredibly intelligent. He picks up on a lot of nonverbals. And he actually is able to deduce kind of over the course of their their working together that Vader actually was Anakin Skywalker. So it's just a testament to his intelligence and his ability to read a situation uh, that he was able to pick up on that. Um, And again, I won't get too much into the details of that mission Other than to say that, as I mentioned before, there is a lot of the evidence of their uh, interaction with the denizens of Black Spire Outpost that is evidenced within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at the Disney Park. So definitely if you read that book, take a look when you do get a chance to go visit Black Spire Outpost and see how many of those things you can pick up on. Um so uh, following that interaction and that mission that he went on with Vader, he does return back to Star Wars Rebels, he does re-engage with those rebels and kind of is a major player in that final battle um that wraps up Star Wars Rebels season four and kind of leaves it where it is today. Uh <clears throat> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too much into detail about what happens to the rebels themselves or Thrawn in general. But suffice to say, that was prior to the events of what we saw within the original trilogy. And uh, certain key members of that Rebel crew uh, never show up within the Star Wars films, nor does Gen- or Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, but none of them have been confirmed to be dead. Uh, they may still be out floating around within the Star Wars universe. There may still be a chance that at some point uh, we may actually get some sort of closure to what is going on with Thrawn and some of these other characters. So I'm really hopeful that um, that he is still alive and uh, is still going to be someone who's got a story to tell within the Star Wars universe.
1: I have no doubt that we're going to run into him and some of these other characters somewhere down the road in... One of these series, whether it be a new animated series, uh, a, a return of some sort of maybe a, a post-series film or something, but uh, the way they left that hanging, they're definitely going to. Be, you know, you know Dave Filoni. He didn't. He didn't end it the way he did without there being a purpose, without having something in mind. Uh, Dave Filoni, if you don't know, uh, is the person who created both Clone Wars and Rebels, and now Star Wars Resistance. Uh, all the animated series, and now is working on the Mandalorian, for that matter. Uh, he does things with a purpose, and I have no doubt that these the, these characters are going to show up somewhere down the line in some other way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, I would agree, and I mean, I really can lump Ahsoka right in there with uh, those, you know, the rest of these characters that I'm talking about, who are who are much bigger players than I think the casual Star Wars fan realizes. Um, and. I certainly hope that, that they all make an appearance at some point, whether it's in an animated series or whether it's within an actual film. Um, I think it, there would be advantages to doing it both way. but um, the, there were a couple other kind of takeaways um, that aren't directly related to Thrawn himself, but one of the real key things that, uh, that the Empire garnered from having Thrawn become a military officer was that he brought information to the Empire about... Uh, the Unknown Regions themselves, and also some kind of navigational uh, help that he was able to give for you know getting into and out of the Unknown Regions. And that information actually bears upon the events um, of the sequel trilogy, because after the Battle of Jakku, uh, when the Empire had been defeated once and for all, and they fled the galaxy into the Unknown Regions, they were actually using navigational data That was provided by Thrawn um, and his expeditions into the Unknown Regions, as well as Luke Skywalker in fleeing to or or rediscovering the first Jedi Temple on the planet of Octo. that was also located within the Unknown Regions. So when you're sitting there watching Force Awakens and trying to understand why they need a map to find his location, again, this is a place that is not located within the galaxy proper. Uh, And they would have been unable to uh, locate that and and get to it without proper navigational information, which that map provided. Yeah, there's a
1: reason they're called the unknown regions. It's because they were, for the most part, unknown. But... uh... Yeah, Thrawn did some work out there uh, to help map some of those. So they kind of have some sort of idea how to navigate those areas and uh, interesting stuff. I wanted to go back to one other note. Uh, We were talking about Rebels a little bit. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was something you mentioned earlier about how uh, Thrawn was not a fan of the super weapon. And one of the things that comes out in Rebels, and I'm sorry if I'm giving away another spoiler here, but uh, it, there is a storyline within it that Thrawn is trying to develop uh, this new style of TIE fighter. It's uh, I think it was the TIE D or Defender. Defender. That's yeah. it. Yep. And uh, it, it was it, it was there was a battle going on trying to decide between the between the Empire itself if they were going to go with the Death Star or whether they were going to you know start creating these ships and that was going to be what was going to be able to kind of keep the universe more in line. Again, something that was more keeping it in order, but not absolutely destroying everything. And Thrawn was completely behind these uh, TIE Defenders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a lot of um, kind of backstory behind the TIE Defenders, even prior to Rebels, because, uh, you know, back in the days after the original trilogy and, and kind of when the expanded universe was all in development, Uh, There were a number of video games that got put out, um, X-Wing, TIE Fighter, etc. And this concept of a TIE Defender goes all the way back to to those games. I remember playing them uh, in the 90s and and thinking how cool that TIE Defender was. Um, And it's it's very different than a standard TIE Fighter. It's got kind of three sets of wings that are slightly angled. um, So it's got a really cool profile to it. But unlike a regular TIE Fighter uh, that has no shields, Um, And and that was really kind of an example of how the Emperor looked at his military. I mean, he, and I was thinking about this the other day, it's kind of tied to the Sith mindset, right? The Sith are all about uh, the strong will survive, you know, and uh, they think about attack and not defense. So when you look at how the Imperial military was set up, it was very much about power. It was very much about, you know, being on the offensive TIE fighters overwhelmed by skill of pilots and by sheer numbers. And uh, what Thrawn was doing was, you know, he placed a lot more value on, on these skilled individuals. And why would you want to uh, put them in a, in a vehicle where a lucky shot might take them out of the fight completely? So he was much less wasteful with his resources. He developed this TIE Defender. It was faster than the fastest TIE Fighter. It was more powerful than any other TIE Fighter they had. It actually had shields that were heavy shields. Um, and it was really just the preeminent fighter. And then when you consider the fact that you have these highly trained Imperial officers that are being kicked out by the Imperial Academy, uh, it really made for a devastating combo and, and something that the rebels were having a huge issue dealing with. Um, but again, the Emperor uh, was kind of caught in this, in this issue where he had to choose between placing his funding behind the Death Star Uh, or behind this TIE Defender program. And uh, unfortunately for Emperor Palpatine, he made the wrong decision. and, And really unfortunate for Thrawn, um, although I'm always going to be happy that the, the Rebels pulled that out.
1: Yeah, also that ship also had a hyperdrive, so it meant it didn't need another, you know, a a giant uh, Imperial ship to carry it everywhere and then release them. It could get to wherever it needed to uh, very quickly. Uh, yep. But yeah, I mean, and part of that, of course, was that, you know, as you go through the storyline, the reason why this, failed was because this group of rebels discovering it and uh, kind of thwarting it at every turn, uh, knowing that this could have been a game changer within the, you know, the the rebellion, essentially.
0: Yeah, and actually, that kind of ties back to another thing. And it's really more on uh, the backstory of Thrawn from the legend standpoint, but it'll be interesting to see if any of this ever comes out back into canon. But one of the things that was brought up was, you know, the Empire at the, at the Battle of Endor when the Death Star was blown up, the Empire still outnumbered the rebel forces just in, in sheer ships and manpower. And it was talked about within those books that on, upon the death of the Emperor, the, the Imperial military forces kind of fell into disarray. And it was because the Emperor was using a form of battle meditation to basically increase the efficiency of all of his forces and coordinate everything. Um, and his death actually kind of caused a backlash that, that kind of threw everyone into a bit of a uh, a kerfuffle, I guess we'll call it. But, um, you know, disorganized those forces to the point where they were able to be routed by the rebels. So, it, again, it, and it fit very well with what you'd expect from a Sith Lord, right? He's all about control. He's all about driving his will forward uh, through the use of, of his forces. So. Um, There's a a certain psychology, I think, to the Sith that is a lot about what, what their weaknesses are and how those ultimately get exploited to defeat them in a lot of cases. Uh, that is very consistent with how things are done in some of these stories, such as Rebels.
1: Well, you know, and of course, uh, if you cut off the head of something that was, it's such in line like the, the Empire, where you had this person ruling over everything, and and even Vader below him, you know, is kind of this pyramid. And then, you know, it was all about this these military organization. A lot of these officers were looking to kind of, climb the ranks and they wanted to take that so when you you know you don't have that one lead person out there to kind of coordinate it all and all these other portions are trying to take charge of it of course it's going to leave it in quite a bit of disarray and interesting you know you you brought up the uh the battle meditation essentially that the emperor was using to coordinate the forces Thrawn in the uh the Timothy Zahn novels tries to kind of recreate that as he comes across a, a cloned Jedi that is kind of a little bit on edge, but he convinces him a little bit to to uh, fight on his side and kind of coordinate his battle units for him. Now, that's an interesting part of those uh, Legends novels.
0: Yeah, definitely some great stories there. Um, and interestingly enough, you know that Jedi clone Jedi Master who. Cloning Jedi Masters and Legends was always kind of a, a risky proposition. They tended to go insane. But um, even with an insane pseudo-Jedi, uh, Thrawn was all about manipulating him uh, to, to do his will, essentially. So there was, uh, you know, a lot of psychology involved even within that relationship.
1: Yeah, you know, Thrawn always thinking, always working the next angle as much as he could. Yep. Yep.
0: All right, so that'll pretty much tie it up for our main topic. Tom, did you have anything else you wanted to throw in there? I I did appreciate the tie defender um, tie in because that actually is a a great point that goes well with the uh, kind of the angle with Palpatine and his super weapons. Thanks. I'm glad I could add something to this conversation. (laughs) Totally. Uh, No, I
1: I, I just love Thrawn. I think he was a great character. I was excited when he came back into canon. I'm excited because I really believe we're going to see him uh, in some way in future. Future intimations of this uh, series somewhere along the line, whether it be animated, whether it be live action, we are going to see Thrawn again. And I'm excited to see where they go with the character from here.
0: Yeah, I would love it if he somehow aligned himself with the uh, with the resistance or the Republic, if if the Republic rises again uh, to to fight off some kind of external threats. Um, to the galaxy. So we shall see if that does pan out. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, if you are into reading uh, the Star Wars books, uh, the new book Throne Treason is coming out on July 23rd, 2019. So if you haven't read either of the first two books, you do still have some time to do that reading before that comes out. Uh, I've read the first two uh, and absolutely do recommend them. There's, as I said, a lot of really cool tie-ins with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, And just, it's fun to see that character brought back to life within canon again.
1: And I would also tell you that even though it's Legends, go back and and read the Heir to the Empire trilogy, the original uh, Timothy Zahn trilogy that had Thrawn in it, because I think it's a fascinating story. It's well-told. Uh, with some very interesting characters, and are are they canon? No, not at this point. But you never know when some of these characters might make an appearance.
0: Yeah, and it does bear noting that Timothy Zahn was brought back to rewrite uh, these Thrawn novels. So it is cool that the guy that essentially created this character out of nothing um, and is the most intimately familiar with him is the one bringing him back into canon again. So. Uh, he clearly understands you know, what parts of that character are valuable, and, and I, as you said, I think that there's probably a greater plan behind that, but we shall see. Uh, also, kind of as part of our Holonet news update this week, I did want to point out, if you are not familiar with the Star Wars Galaxy of Adventure shorts that are out there on the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel, Um, there were three new, uh, shorts that were released over the course of the past week. One was the Jedi versus the Sith. Uh, one was about Boba Fett and one about Solo. Uh, definitely go check them out. They are a great way to kind of introduce people that are not familiar with Star Wars content to the, to the Star Wars universe. Um, they're definitely not just for kids, um. They're just, they're just cool little short snippets uh, that give you some of that backstory in kind of a fun and entertaining way.
1: Yeah, you can get through them pretty quickly. They're about a minute to 90 seconds long each, but they, uh, they use the sound bites from the actual films, and it's got great animation. And they're just really enjoyable. I love the one. One of my favorite ones is the one that kind of tells the story of what Han and Chewbacca went through when they left Yavin to pay off their debt and instead decided to turn around and kind of get back into the battle to destroy the Death Star. I just thought that it just it was fascinating to me. And when you watch it, it just gives you chills. It was It's really, really cool. And yes, like you said, Rob, these are great ways. To kind of indoctrinate possible Star Wars fans into this universe in just short little, uh, you know, this YouTube uh, self smartphone generation, how they can be involved in
0: it. Yeah, if you're going to brainwash your children, this is a great way to do it. Star Wars is a totally acceptable way to do that. Um, The other thing that I wanted to announce, and I did put this out on our social media earlier today, but I did open a new Spreadshirt shop for the podcast. Um, That is open for business. Uh, If you order within the next two weeks, uh, 14 days, whatever, uh, you get a 15% discount. The discount code for that is actually found on the store page, and that can be found at shop.spreadshirt.com slash JTA podcast. So. If you're interested in in, uh, supporting the show and helping us kind of keep the lights on here and turning out content for you to uh, soak up, we very much appreciate it. If you want to go out there and grab yourself something, and uh, we're looking forward to hopefully putting some more designs out there in the foreseeable future. So uh, that's really all I've got for this week. I will say that if you are a Disney annual pass holder, I know I mentioned on last week's show that that Disney World announced that they were going to be doing a preview. Uh, that has yet to be released, so if you're uh, still interested in trying to track that down, keep an eye open. Uh, I will put it out on our social media when that link goes live and you can sign up. Uh, I'm guessing that it's going to fill up pretty quickly, so just kind of keep tabs on our social media, and we will let you know. Good stuff, good stuff.
1: By the way, those shirts, they're gorgeous. Uh, check them out if you haven't got if you got the chance, because they are really good-looking shirts.
0: Yeah, I actually had to pick up some for uh, for us, and they should be on the way this week, so looking looking forward to that um, Tom thank you again so much for joining us do you want to go ahead and give him your contact information for where you and Michelle can be found at the Hyperion Podcast? Sure thanks uh, Rob always a pleasure joining on the Jay Temple Archives Podcast if you want to check
1: out the Hyperion Adventures Podcast where we do talk Star Wars but we also talk Marvel we talk a lot about Disney uh, trips, vacations movies everything you might think of you can find us pretty much everywhere you get podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts we're also on spotify stitcher Uh, we're now on iheart media podcast you can check us out there and if you want to contact us socially we're on twitter at hyperion podcast facebook instagram and pinterest at hyperion adventures podcast
0: terrific thank you guys so much or thank you for joining us today Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us here at the jedi temple archives podcast with any thoughts about the show, ways we might be able to improve it, or topics for future shows, please, please, please feel free to do that. Uh, We can be reached at jtapodcast at gmail.com, as well as on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at jtapodcast. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we have that new Spreadshirt shop. Uh, Just go out to shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash jtapodcast, and you can find our gear there. Uh, if you want to support the show so again thank you guys so much we're looking forward to bringing you some more great content over the next few weeks and we will look forward to talking with you guys all next week may the force be with you